really what made the difference was the, the limitation, I think, of what we could do at the time. We were all experiencing lots of restrictions in our lives. And I looked over and there was a pair of running shoes and there was the door. And I thought, well, you know, no one's stopping me from doing that. That was Anna Charbonneau. And this is episode 76 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn and I'm a road runner. And I'm Kim and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Anna Charbonneau is a just turned 44 year old working mother from Alberta who rediscovered running during the pandemic. She first took up the sport back in 2007, pushing her newborn baby in the jogging stroller. But as life got busier over the next decade, running slowly became more ad hoc and reactive rather than purposeful and intentional. Pandemic closures were the catalyst for her to reevaluate where health and wellness fit into the picture. And she turned to running as a familiar and safe exercise outlet. Those first steps were tough, but as you'll hear in this interview, Anna persevered. She talks about getting clear on her why, accepting where she was at with running, mustering up the courage to hire a coach, training smarter, not harder, fitting it in on her lunch hours and during her kids' activities, overcoming mom guilt, dealing with low ferritin, and so much more. It's always refreshing to hear from someone who is crystal clear about why they run and what they want to get out of it. If you're struggling to make movement a priority as we hit the two-year mark in this pandemic, be sure to listen to the very end for why Anna thinks now is the best time to establish or re-establish a fitness habit. And now onto our conversation with Anna Charbonneau. All right. Well, Anna, welcome to Inspired Souls. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think our conversation today is going to really resonate with our listeners because the pandemic, which I cannot believe has been almost two years now, has really caused a lot of us to reevaluate where our own kind of health and wellness fits into the picture. And I know this is a a big part of the story that you're going to share with us today. But before we get there, let's get to know you a little bit better first. Can you tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Sure. So I'm Anna. I am 43 years old. I live just outside of Calgary, Alberta. Um, I'm a wife and a mom of two. I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. And I, in my daytimes, I'm an environmental engineer for an oil and gas company here in Calgary. And I'm also a runner. So that's why we're having you on the show today. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so Anna, um, Actually, just finding out you have 12 and 14-year-old children makes me realize we have, have even more in common because that's the age of my kids. And we just and found mine. out chatting. <laughs> and yours too, Carolyn. Yes. Um, for another few weeks, I have a 12 and 14-year-old before they have birthdays. Um, but we also happen to live like practically a stone's throw from each other just uh, um, in the south part of Calgary. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get to know a potential new running friend on this show today. Awesome. So Anna, did you want to just let us know when and how you got into running? What's your running origin story? Yeah, so um, I guess I can start right at the beginning and say that, you know, growing up, I was an anti-runner, I think. Um, I never ran, except if I was chasing a ball or something else. 
uh, I really wasn't interested in that. I was a dancer. I did um, Ukrainian dance, which I think you would might know from being in Winnipeg. Um, I did that growing up until I was probably in my early 20s. And then after that, you know, always active. I did fitness classes. I biked, I skied, I played whatever sport recreationally was around, um, but I didn't really run. So in 2007, my first, um, I had my daughter, my first child, and my husband who ran bought a running stroller. And so I am fairly thrifty and the running stroller was sitting there collecting dust. So I thought I better put that to use. And uh, I signed up for some of those mom and baby fitness classes. So it was structured that you'd run, you know, whatever distance to the nearest strength station and then you do your strength exercises and then you'd run to the next station and you kind of repeat that, that, and it was, you know, awesome for me because that was my, that was my social time to get to know other moms. It was good for the babies. They had their social time. Mm -hmm. It was all outdoors, which always appealed to me. Um, So I started, and then once I could run those little short spurts, then I began running a little bit longer and a little bit longer and leaving from my house. And I just sort of progressed from there. So I would say in my thirties, I guess, was when I was running the most and I would run, I ran a bunch of five Ks, 10 Ks. I did um, three half marathons during that time. And so I, I ran quite a bit and always recreational, right? In 2015, that was a year that we really shifted our priorities. That's the year we moved to Alberta. So we had been living in Ontario before that. I went back to working a standard career um, after working either out of my house or on a consulting basis for a long time. So I went from being the primary caregiver of my kids at home with time to do more exercise and a lot more focus on that to living here with a full-time job. Uh, We bought our families. our acreage property and we renovated ourselves so running just you know didn't become the top of the list activity has always been important and I fit it in but it wasn't a focus and I would really make decisions like you know my kid has this activity at 7 p.m on a Tuesday and I will now find something within five kilometers that I can do and sign up for that so Mm. really ad hoc and reactive and Now, so we fast forward a few years later, by 2020, most of our house has been fixed up. And really, with the focus of the pandemic, I think that was really the trigger for me to reevaluate and say, you know, this ad hoc kind of fitness way is not really the right way. And I need to put a bit more focus on being healthy, being strong, and, you know, doing what I can to, to promote my own health. It doesn't hurt that my kids are now older and more independent. So you get a little bit of freedom back as they get older. So I think really that, you know, my running story kind of restarted in somewhere in late 2020 or early 2021. And I've been running since then again. Awesome. So I'm curious, what wasn't working for you with the ad hoc fitness lifestyle? And then I know you said you were hoping to achieve more fitness, but let's go into that a bit deeper. What exactly were you hoping to to achieve with running and why did you decide to to pursue running more than, you know, a la carte style reactive fitness? Um, really what made the difference was the the limitation, I think, of what we could do at the time. We were all experiencing mm. lots of restrictions in our lives. 
And I looked over and there was a pair of running shoes and there was the door. And I thought, well, (laughs) you know, no one's stopping me from doing that. Right. Gyms are closed. Fitness classes are canceled, but I can still run. Right. That's right. And so, and it was, it was that. And I think the other thing that came into play is we started walking every day as a way to get out of the house, get a break from our kids, probably give our kids a break (laughs) from us. Um, So we started walking and then every day we'd be walking 5k. And then once you're walking 5k, it's easier to, you know, run a few steps and then run another few Mm -hmm. steps. It's too taking too long to get around this neighborhood loop. So maybe I'll just try running a little bit. Um, So that gradual progression is how I came back to the running world. I love it. You know, often when I would prescribe return to running post-injury programs for clients when I was practicing as a physio, I used that kind of box analogy. I'm like, let's get you up to a certain time. I used time rather than distance. And then within that time, we're just going to increase the ratio of running to walking right? And so you're already used to the habit of being out for that amount of time. Your body is used to that physiological amount of time. And then it's easier to just change what you're doing in that amount of time. Mm -hmm. So like what happened there? Did you, did you suddenly find yourself running 5k (laughs) or (laughs) what was, what was the process that you um, followed at that point? Um, no. <laughs> so what I did was I, <laughs> so my, what, who was it? I think it was my sister-in-law that told me, I'm signing up for the resolution run on January 1st, and you should sign up for the resolution run too. So she signed up, I didn't. And yet on January 1st, I thought, well, I'm going to go outside and try running. <laughs> and I went and I was terrible. And I thought, oh, this is embarrassing. And this is really sad, quite sad that I know what I could run at one point and I am not even close. So that lit a fire, I think. <laughs> mm. um, I, I don't really like being terrible at things. And so knowing that that was so far off <laughs> where I want, what I once could achieve, I thought, well, that's unacceptable, Anna. You need to, you need to fix that problem. It kind of pissed you off a little bit. <laughs> it, it, it did. It totally did. I thought, what is wrong with me? That's, you know, the criticism of myself for how could you have lo- let it get this bad? Um, right. That, that was my little test. So I tested myself and tried to run, and it didn't go very well. So then I went back to the more prescribed, okay, well, I know I can run for five minutes, so I'll run for five minutes, walk for one, and back and forth. Mm -hmm. So I had enough structural training in running to progress that, but I had enough irritation that I wasn't good at it. (laughs) So what what do you define as terrible? Like, did it just feel hard? Were you out of breath? Or did it actually hurt? Like, did you feel joint pain? Or, like, your technique was not good? Like, what was terrible about it? Um, I felt... So it was mostly red face, short of breath, um, couldn't get a breath, felt like my legs were heavy and I couldn't continue running, right? So then I'd have to slow down and take a walk break. Like, Like you feel when you are a kid and you sprint at the beginning of the track and then you completely peter out because you have nothing left. It felt like that. So your rating of perceived exertion was higher than you thought it should be for the amount of effort you were putting out kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I, I totally get that. It's so frustrating, right? When you have a memory of like, this was me back in 2007, pushing my baby <laughs> running and it felt different and it felt better than it does right now. So I get it. I get the frustration. I get the, like that you were angry or pissed off about it. I get that you don't like sucking at things. Um, so what did you do with all of that energy? How did you resolve this angst that you were feeling? You know, my first my first reaction, other than being angry, you can be angry for a while and then you can realize that it's your own fault. I was definitely out of shape. I hadn't run in a long time. And when running is not something that you can just pick up and do, I think you have to you have to work at it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I accepted, you know, I am I'm a decade older and I'm out of shape. Um, so the only way to do to fix that is to go out for runs on a regular basis. So I started by really just making a pattern, right? So for me, the key to, to everything is to make it, things into a routine. Yeah, if I know that the day that I run is Tuesday and I'm going to, I expect that I'm going for a run, I will have my gear packed, I will have my stuff ready, and it's an expectation that I'm going to go, and I probably won't falter on that because I've set it up as part of my plan. Um, so I just started going out more often. However... I would really say that the first four months of 2021, it still didn't get much better. So I still came back red-faced, uncomfortable. Some days were worse than others. Um, I do live in the river valley, and I find that when you leave the house, it's a climb out of the valley. And when you come back, Mm -hmm. it's a climb up the driveway. So that hill was probably not helping me. Um, I learned empirically that walking the first like two kilometers, not just walking for 15 seconds, but walking a significant amount of time. If I got walking first and then I tried to run, I would have more success than if I just tried to run right out of the gate. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely found that. But then by spring of 2021, I was thinking, hmm, maybe I'm not doing this right. Um, maybe I need some advice. And that's uh, that's when I reached out to Carolyn. Um with her coaching to see if maybe there was a different way of, of doing this, right? Maybe, maybe there's another way that I can try that is not just trying harder, but rather trying smarter. It took me a lot of courage to reach out to Carolyn, to be honest. I probably wrote that email 15 times before I actually pressed mm-hmm. send. And, you know, I didn't feel that I was a coaching client because I wasn't anyone that was excelling at running I was just a normal person who liked to do it for for fun and fitness yeah what did you fear you don't have to answer that if you don't want but when we when we when we need courage it's because we are fearing something Mm -hmm. so were you fearing that she would not find you worthy that you weren't the level of runner that she normally coaches were you fearing that maybe she would ask you to do something hard or maybe that's what you were hoping for. I'm not sure. Like what was it that made you hesitate to hit send on that email? Uh, And I'm asking because I know you're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think it was fear of being asked to be, to do something hard. I think that, yeah, that, that one doesn't scare me. I think it was more fear of the judgment of others it was the reach out for help. I think that, you know, whenever you reach out for help and whatever you do, it's hard to get over the independence that I should be able to do this myself. 
I should be able vulnerable. to figure this out. And you're being vulnerable. Exactly. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're saying to someone, I don't know how to do this. And so I need help with whatever that is. Um, and you don't know how they're going to react. Um, right? You, d you don't know how. Yes. If she was going to say, well, you know, I only coach people who, <laughs> who can run way faster than you. She might have said that. I, there's probably coaches out there that would have. I, I'm in the world, right? You, whenever you're looking for no, you're right. help, there's probably someone that would say that. And that's okay because that's not the coach for me. Oh my goodness. What you're talking about hits so hard with me because that is my biggest problem. I've actually wrote blog posts and Instagram posts about how I have this serious avoidance for asking for help. <laughs> and it's not gotten me very far in life. And, you know, I've done a lot of introspection on the why. Why do I have this blockage? Why can't I just ask for help? What is it that makes me fear that? And yet when we do that, you know, it's, <laughs> this is the Brené Brown episode, I think, of where courage and vulnerability intersect. You know, um, it is admitting it's not weakness, right? And I think that's what we sometimes perceive as asking for help means I'm weak in some way and I just can't do it myself. But it's also acknowledging that, or instead it's acknowledging that I want to be better, right? And there's nothing wrong with wanting to better yourself and, and reaching out for help in that. So how did Carolyn help you? Well, I, th I think the first thing she did was she took away she took away the work is what she did. I, I think <laughs> we're all, everyone's busy person, right? Everyone is, is busy doing things and you try to delegate the tasks that have low value to you. So for me to go and learn about, you know, what are the, I, I didn't live under a rock. I, <laughs> I looked at some of the information on running, but to, if there's someone that is interested in the topic and is knowledgeable about it, why do I have to go sift through every podcast and every book and every whatever to figure out the information where I could just ask someone who's knowledgeable about it and get the information? So it was me deciding that I'm going to let Carolyn do that work because I'm going to do the work of running. Like, that's what I need to do. I need to focus my energy not on planning my run, but actually doing the run. Mm -hmm. So if she does the planning, I don't have to do that. So I think it's it's really a matter of managing your own time and, and delegating out those tasks that you maybe shouldn't be focusing on because it eliminates your ability to do the one that you really need to do. You're speaking to the first rule of leadership. They say delegate the things you're not good at and only to keep the things that you are really good at. And there's also a lot of discussion in the, at least in the ultra running space, about strategically using your willpower and saving your willpower for the areas you need it most. And if your willpower or your motivation or your mental energy is going towards planning, like you just said, you have less, you have less to give with the actual workout. <laughs> Whereas yes. if you just wake up and you look at the spreadsheet on this fridge and it says to do that, a hundred percent of your focus, your willpower is going towards that run, not planning that run. Am I That's hearing right. you correctly? Yeah, that's right. And that, that's what I yeah. said, I think a little bit earlier, I said this, that that the routine or I think I call it creating eliminating decision fatigue. So mm -hmm. I don't yes. if I don't have to decide what my mm -hmm. run is going to be on a weekly basis, it's pre decided, then I can just do that. I do that 
not just with running. I do that with everything in my life. I mean, I have short hair for a reason, right? I don't want to be spending time deciding on what my hair is going to look like. My workout fits are basically a uniform. Um, They all go together. The blue hat and and the purple hat? That's the running uniform. (laughs) There's also a work uniform. Sorry. um, Which is the black pants and some kind of dress shirt. Um, But I do that in order to save the time on, I, lots of people do that with menu planning. I'm poor at it with menu planning, but um, <laughs> the eliminating that need to make those decisions on the fly, because if I'm spending time deciding what, am I going to run hills today, or I'm going to run intervals or whatever I'm going to do, if I'm making those decisions and half my run is gone in, in terms exactly. of time. So yeah. that's what, that's really what Carolyn could provide was a delegation of those planning elements so that I could focus on what I was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And Anna, I know you said that at work, like you work in a kind of male dominated field, right? Absolutely. And you were, I I just remember one conversation we had and you were saying that, you know, men, men seem to have no trouble like saying, I don't do chores or like, I don't do cooking or I don't do childcare. So kind of talk to us because this is exactly what it is, right? They're, they're saying in that example, right? They're saying that's a low priority task. Someone else can do that. I don't need to worry about that so that I have bandwidth to do my job at work. Talk to us about kind of how that played, like you, you already have, right? Like that you decided to hire the coach because that's going to be one less thing that you need to worry about. But maybe talk about any emotions that you had around that perhaps guilt or <laughs> I don't deserve this or was there any of that going the on with guilt. the kind of yeah the mom guilt like just sort of the reluctance to to do that you know a year prior to when you actually did yeah you bet there was definitely you know definitely some mom guilt or some feeling like I didn't deserve to have a coach but you know what again this you know I'm starting to think this pandemic was a really good thing because <laughs> I didn't feel as guilty because I thought to myself, you know, I used to have friends and my friends were my accountability and my friends Mm -hmm. were my running, they were my running tribe so that when I didn't have a good day or I didn't feel like going out, there was usually someone phoning and saying, Anna, let's go, you know, we planned this and we're going to go out today. And then by the time I started, I was fine. But Mm -hmm. in a pandemic, that's not when you're going to reach out and increase your social bubble and even if you wanted to, I'm not sure that many people were receptive to the idea of getting right. together and going out for a run. So I paid Carolyn to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. She provided yeah. that, that I, I used to have out of just my own social network. And I haven't had that network in Calgary for a whole bunch of reasons. And she was able to provide that. So I didn't feel as guilty because there was no other option for that to happen. If there was no pandemic going on, I probably would have struggled with it a bit more. Right. So in that I sense, would the have pand- thought of this. Yeah. but it's so true. Okay. So how, as you began running with a little bit of structure and a little bit of accountability and, and my friendship, um, <laughs> talk to us about kind of how, how did it impact you on the runs? Like you had said before, the runs were like super hard and you were red faced and winded. Did anything change in that department with the structure of the runs? It did. So I had to learn to, I, I had to learn to slow down and to run easy. And I think probably 
you're nodding your heads, both of you, because that is the hardest thing that people have to learn to do. I'm still not perfect at it, I think. Um, but there was a lot of there was a lot of walk breaks. There were and and it was okay then because it wasn't a, a walk break was no longer a failure that I couldn't keep running. It was a prescribed thing to do, right? This is now the structure yes. of the run and I'm going to do this because it's going to enable me to run further or faster or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that having the prescription of it helped me to accept that this is where I'm at. And, you know, with time, I stopped getting as red in the face. Um, that was even limiting to go out. I would say at the beginning, I wouldn't go out at lunchtime at work because my face was red when I came back and people would know that I went out and went for a run. Now, either I've stopped caring or I think my face is slightly less red. <laughs> um, so I, I, it doesn't get, it doesn't seem as hard as it did. Right. I still don't think running is easy for me, but it is not the same level of perceived exertion that it was at the beginning. And I've learned that that's not actually what I'm trying to do. I don't want to be at that perceived desertion because it's not giving me the benefit that I want. I think your body was telling you that intuitively in the beginning when you did your 2K of walking and found that worked better for you. You just mm-hmm. didn't necessarily accept that that was okay. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. perceived failure again versus prescribed. Um, but our body knows and our body tells us if we actually listen to it, <laughs> what it needs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also a really, like, I can think about when, when my coach prescribes me something and and I look at the workout and I'm like, oh, like even I can do that. Like that, that doesn't seem so bad. And then the feeling at the end though, is like, that's a win. Like I did it. Right. And so what I really wanted you to have was a series of those wins too, of like, so instead of going out, doing the red face and the huffing and puffing and, and then layering on the judgment of like, what's wrong with me and that I suck and all that kind of stuff. It's like you went out, you had a win and you're like, yay, I did what was on the plan. Right. So it's almost that upward spiral of, of wins that was allowing you to maintain consistency with it because before it was on and off. Correct. That's right. Yeah. It was on and off. Yeah. The other thing I will say is once we were working together for a while, I think both Carol and I were, I think I intuitively knew, but she started to see as well that there was something else that was, um, she was giving me very easy efforts and I was still not doing well at them. So I do think that there's some combination of, something is going on in the background. One thing that we've, we've come to realize, I guess, is that I've, I have very low iron levels. And so I wonder if that's my body's ability to process oxygen doesn't seem to be as good as it could be. And I think that is probably related to my anemia that I've had for a long time. I don't have low, I don't have low hemoglobin, um, which is how much oxygen is in your blood, but I have very low iron stores, my ferritin. Oh, the ferritin. Yeah. The ferritin. So a typical person, uh, yeah, it's, it. Uh, so the typical range, I guess I can throw out numbers, but it's between 12 and like 300. It's quite a, a range. And I'm 13, 11. <laughs> um, yeah, so very that's low. consistently yeah. very low. There's that history in my family. And I do take iron supplements, but I find it very hard to absorb or to get that back up. 
So, okay, so what effect would that have? So the effect would be on your ability to to take in oxygen, right? So I'm, I almost feel like um, I give the analogy of a pump. I'm like a pump that sputters and coughs and generally sounds <laughs> bad when you start it up. And then if you let it run for a few minutes, it steadies out and then it can go for a while. And I feel exactly the same way about my running. So the, the first 2K are not necessarily pretty, but if I can slow down, manage that feeling, manage that perceived exertion, and then after I get through that phase, then I'm okay. And I, I would say that's probably true of a lot of people. A lot of people talk about hating the For first sure. kilometer. Um, yeah. So that's what I was experiencing. I, I don't think I'm necessarily sick in any way. I just think that that the absorption sites for oxygen are less maybe than they could be. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. and living on a hill doesn't help either, right? Like, um, no. as soon as you start running on a hill, things completely change. And, and that's where trail runners and mountain runners recognize that trekking is not a four letter word. Like when you're going up a mountain, <laughs> if you want to keep your heart rate in check, you're just sometimes going to have to power hike. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, and, and and there's the there is the bit too about just being in Calgary. So we're at a thousand yeah. meters above sea level. So mm -hmm. I, I know that I know this summer we went back to Ontario and I did a run and I actually I ran. Remember, Carolyn, it was almost my goal time. I think I was off by eighteen I seconds. I know. And so, <laughs> and it was hot too. Yeah, but I felt so much better. So then I think, hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I don't think yep. I'm in better shape than I was yesterday. So. <laughs> but that only works when you live in one area and then go down an elevation. Just moving to Ontario would eventually yeah. even out. It's but, true. Yeah. So Anna, you were talking about, you know, eventually things came, came around and they started to feel easier and you started to feel more successful. Can you remember a moment ever where you thought like, oh my goodness, I'm a runner now. Was there ever kind of like anything specific that happened that caused you to think of yourself differently in, in the running area? Um, I think that I felt that slow progression of success and I was working towards a goal race in September last year. Um, so my goal of, of last year really was to just run a strong and decent 5k. That's what I wanted to get to. And so I, when I went to sign up for the, or went to line up for the race, and I got there and I was intimidated because I hadn't run a race in years. And it was one of the first in-person events even. And so I'm looking around and everyone is thin and everyone has nice clothes and everyone looks like they're meant to be there. And I don't belong and blah, blah, blah. And then I noticed that people were wearing their race shirts. So their cotton long-sleeved race shirts. For, and I thought, well, I know not to do that. I was like, <laughs> So then I thought, okay, it's not my first rodeo. I've done this before and I can do this again. And so then it gave me a little more confidence to, to feel like I belonged in the group. Runners are, you know, different shapes and sizes and speeds. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I, I would give my husband is the most unlikely looking runner. He doesn't look like he's six foot three and big guy. No one believes that he can run. He's reasonably fast. He's usually in the top third of his age category. And, uh, and everyone thinks that he can't be a runner. So maybe they if look you at run, me and they, you're a runner. <laughs> right. And, and that is a, that, you know, that is all over people saying that again and again, but to truly believe that is hard. Yeah. And do you truly believe that now? Uh, some days. 
<laughs> well, let me tell you, you are now a guest on the Inspired Souls podcast. So you are a runner. There we go. I was, I was yes. very flattered to be asked, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure talking to you so far because I know that your everything you have said tonight, I know is resonating with more than one person out there. You know, we have people on this show who have multiple different experiences with running, but there's everybody started somewhere. And regardless of where you go with your running, everybody's been in the place that you've been at or that you are at. And so I'm wondering, so you started to experience a little bit of success, let's call it. So at what point, you know, tell us about your most successful moments of running in the last year. What moments are you really proud of secretly that now are to become not so secret? Yeah. So, so those moments are the ones, you know, when you're running and you feel, you feel in the zone, you feel like you've got the flow, you, you know, it's always a nice day and you feel like you're moving along, you're gliding, you're not pounding into the pavement, you're gliding Mm -hmm. along and you feel like this is just a fluid motion and you're part of everything that's around you. Mm. That's an awesome feeling. And then when you look down at your watch after and it does not match, that's the feeling that you don't want. But every now and again, it does match, right? It, the, the numbers on your watch actually match how, that the fact that you were flying and then you feel awesome. And that's the moment that I think I chase um, is that feeling rather than any specific time or goal. I'm not being paid to run. I have something else that I do that I'm paid to do. So really, I have to keep it in perspective that this is, for me, this is, you know, I run for peace. I run for perspective. I run for stress control. I run to get outside. Those are the reasons that I run. Um, And so if it's not fun or if it's causing me angst in any way, then it's not worth doing. Um, It's only worth doing if it still feels positive. So I have to be careful in setting my type A goals for myself um, for running because I set lots of those type A goals for myself in my other life. Yeah. Running can't be your punishment. So it's interesting to me that you described your definition of terrible as a feeling, a feeling of it being hard and, and stressful. And now you're describing your successful moments of running again as a feeling, but a feeling of feeling light. The runner's high, essentially. When you hit that runner's high, that's your definition of success. Yeah, which has, which has nothing to do with completing races or being in that specific a number of repeats or whatever. None of that matters, actually. It's all about the runner's high. Yeah. So as I'm thinking about this, in the beginning, when everything was so hard and you're describing the feeling that you're chasing is that Mm -hmm. ease and that flow, was there ever a time in that process, right? Because it's usually hard before it gets easy, right? Was Mm -hmm. there ever a time in that process where you said like, I'm not having fun with this. What's the point? I'm not getting paid for this. Like, was there ever a point where you wanted to give up? Um, yes. (laughs) However, 
it was still the only thing available. <laughs> so therefore, um, <laughs> once again, thank you, pandemic. <laughs> thank you. But really, that I mean, that helped me out because I thought, okay, what am I going to replace this with? What What is the other activity that I did? I did spend quite a bit of time last year cross country skiing in the winter, um, which is you know I do enjoy, and that's that's fun, and that can get in the way. The I think the thing that for me, one thing that makes a difference is to not only run. So I know Carolyn would have always liked to see me run more um, in a week, but I'm really quite, I really stuck to three runs a week because I felt that that was what I could fit into my calendar. That's what I knew I could achieve. And then that would allow me the space to, um, so I do quite a bit of yoga. I love yoga. I do it almost every day at lunch um, that I'm not running. So that's, I do that. And then I wanted to have space to just do like go for a bike ride and go for a ski and go hiking on the weekends in the mountains I wanted to have the space to do those things and if I was running more than that then I would lose that space so I think probably that also helped me to not get frustrated because it was never that I was going out the very next day I always had time to take a step back and say no I really actually still want to do this it was just maybe not my best day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also a really important point in, in the kind of coaching conversation, right? And that's why we start with your why, like, what is your why, right? Because generally speaking, if not all the time, like if you're if you can run more and recover from that running, you'll become a better runner, but that's not everybody's primary goal, right? And so to really understand where running fits into somebody's life, I consider my primary job and to, to understand that. And so you wanted to run three times a week and it's like, okay, well then my job becomes setting the expectations of here's kind of the progression timeline that you could expect, right? Once we ruled out other things like underlying health problems with the low iron, et cetera, et cetera, then it's like, okay, and are you happy with that? Do you want to run three times a week and have this other space to do these other things? And that's a rich, full, successful life to you. Awesome. Let's carry on. Right. So I think it's important for people listening to really reflect on their own personal why and make sure that they're chasing their own why, not somebody else's. And I know Kim's a big, <laughs> a big fan of You're that as well. You're stealing my lines here, girl, but no, absolutely. <laughs> we are on the same page there. So what you're talking about, Carolyn, is really digging into finding out Another way to express what is your why is what does running mean to you? And I know you've spoken to it a little bit. You know, you like being outside and you like, you know, the lack of stress and whatever. But would you like to elaborate a little bit further on maybe what running has come to mean to you over the last year or two throughout the pandemic? A sense of freedom. Can I say that? So when I'm when I'm out for a run, I am absolved of all my responsibilities for that time that I'm out on my run. I don't have to worry about anything because I can't control what's going on when I, that's not me and my shoes and wherever, whatever trail or road I'm on. So it's, it's my chance to take the time for me. Um, And I think that's a large part of what it means to me. And I guess that's why it could be any activity sometimes, because it's just me taking the space to make Anna a priority rather than Mm. all these other things that pull at my time. And, you know, actually, when I started running, when I had my babies, 
um, I very quickly realized that the baby was happy running. And, like my kid was happy riding along in the stroller. And I could have a break from parenting because we just go around outside. Yeah. So I think mm -hmm. it's always been that, that freedom from the demands of life that running really gives me. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious whether the people in your life have noticed a difference in you mm -hmm. for you Gosh. having taken some time for yourself and really, it sounds like, put yourself as a, a higher priority during the pandemic. For sure. I think the two that probably notice it the most are the two teenagers in this house. Um, they, they know on Saturday morning when I'm feeling grumpy, they say, mom, time for your run. <laughs> and then they send me outside and then I come back with a, a fresh perspective. So they recognize that it's good for me. My husband is also running as well. And he's very different in terms of size and strength. So, but we do feed off each other in terms of, you know, if I come home and his sweaty stuff is in the wash um, because he's gone for the run that day, then I want to get out too. It's almost yep. like it, a, a one-upper <laughs> on each mm -hmm. other, but it's it's like the healthy competition, I guess, to know that you're both doing that and that there's other people that are interested in that same feeling that you have. I would go so far as to say that that's what races are for me because I know I will never win the race. So for me, the race is that community. It's the recognition that there's all these people that think the same thing yeah. is important and understand the feeling that you get from this activity and they come together, right? And you, and that's it's visible tribal. at the race. It's tribal. Yeah, totally. Yep. What a great example you're setting for your kids. You know, um, if you're anything like me at certain points as my kids grew up, I definitely, we've all felt that mom guilt of, oh, you know what, I should be making supper right now rather than going for my run or um, whatever it is. But when your kids recognize the benefits in you and that it makes you a better person by doing that run, even if they're not necessarily out there with you every step of the way, they're watching that and they're observing that. And that's like amazing for kids to see their moms out there doing something for themselves and setting strong examples. I think that's just awesome. Mm -hmm. And and weren't your kids, at least one of your kids, responsible for you being on this podcast? They convinced yeah. you to uh, to come on Inspired Souls. Maybe mama. maybe tell us a little bit more about that story. So I said I mentioned to him, I didn't tell anyone else other than my I told my son first. He's usually the most supportive. And I said, what would I possibly say on a podcast that anyone would want to listen to? And he said, mom, you should talk about how you fit it into your schedule because there's all these corporate ladies that are trying to figure out how to get that into their day and you get it in. So they probably want to know how you do it. Well, so okay. Let's sort of interrupt. Let's talk about that. <laughs> okay. We didn't ask you that question. What's yeah. your secret sauce? So, um, well, I've gotten better at it. And I think that that was part of my that was part of getting it back into my life was to really restructure how I was conducting my days so that I could fit it in. So I work in a, a downtown office um, and part of it started with, not with running, but rather with yoga. So we, maybe my pandemic experience was slightly different than others in that I basically went to work every day, almost. I, I worked from home very, very rarely. Um, and so I was stuck in my three meter by three meter box with a glass door and I was going crazy. <laughs> and I watched a coworker go by with a yoga mat at lunch. And um, 
I introduced myself to her. She didn't know me. So I said, you're my new best friend and where do we do yoga? <laughs> and uh, so we started doing that in the conference room at lunch hour. So that was, that was really the break back into getting this into my life was to make that lunch hour productive because I've found that the flexibility in my life is actually at noon. You, it's not in the morning. It's not after work. Mm -hmm. It's that noon hour that I have the flexibility. So every day at lunch, I do some kind of activity um, it's usually going back and forth between yoga and running right now because those are the options that really are available in the office. Um, so I, I fit it in then. And the funny thing is that as soon as you start fitting it in somewhere, you all of a sudden find the opportunities mm -hmm. elsewhere. So now when I drop my kid off at practice, I go dressed, I have my shoes, and I go for a run instead of sitting around the parking lot or wasting my time shopping somewhere or even just chit-chatting with other parents. I'm happy if they want to come along with me, <laughs> but I'm not going to sit there in the room and uh, and just waste the time that they're busy. So, And I also build my own fitness structure around my kids' schedules. So, Carolyn, we've talked about my Sunday mornings, which I really look forward to. My daughter has practice from 10 till 12, so I go in the morning, I drop her off, and I go on the Okotoks trails, and that's my... That's my freedom time um, mm -hmm. that I have two, a two-hour window that I can go for a long run. Um, so by building it into their, into my family schedules, and I no longer feel guilty because, you know, I, what was I going to do anyway? Drive back home, sit for 10 minutes and drive again? That doesn't make any sense. So, you know, making sure that I have my bag packed for the next day, pre-deciding what it's going to be and doing things on a routine schedule are the ways that I mm -hmm. find the time. Yeah. 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 Well, and you Great were talking time. earlier about that hump, like when running was really, really hard at the beginning and, and maybe you would have quit, but the, guess what? The pandemic was still going on. And, and so it, that was almost the thing that sort of forced you through that difficult time, it sounds like. I'm wondering if you could talk to the person who might be listening that we're, now we're at a different point in the pandemic, right? And things are beginning to open up a little bit more. But let's say that per, there's that person who's at that point in their running where it still feels really hard. They're on the verge of quitting. What advice do you have for somebody that might be in that situation? Here's your opportunity because you, we faced a lifestyle change, all of us. Um, because we were getting shut down or our jobs were changing or our kids were at home or whatever. And now I think we're facing that opposite transition as we go back to doing something else. And so, so you have the chance to, to take advantage of that opportunity to be whatever it is that you want. And no one is going to question anymore why you decided to make that change because it would just fall in part with every other change. So if, changes the if new normal, right? Yeah. yeah. But if you're, if you're struggling to keep yourself going and um, you were intimidated before by joining the running group, whatever it is, maybe you want to go to your local running store and join the group and you're intimidated by doing that. Well, guess what? Nobody's been running for in that group for the last two years. So you know, this is the best time to make those kind of changes rather than mm -hmm. the worst time. 
everybody else is as desperate for running buddies as you are. So (laughs) go make friends. Yeah. Yeah, Or, or maybe it's, maybe it's not, maybe it's not even running, right? Maybe it's, maybe this is the time that you decide Mm -hmm. that you're going to join a basketball team or you're going to take up, I don't know, a dance class or whatever you want to do. Because even if you take up something else, I bet you will have an easier time running. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. whatever that other activity is that gets you out the door, the, the minute you start putting on your exercise clothes and doing something, the running gets easier yeah. because that's not all you're doing. So if you're in the yeah. dumps, I'd say try something different. Shake it up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So... Um, this is the Inspired Souls podcast. So who's inspired you along your running journey? So that I don't think I'm necessarily inspired by people who are wonderful at the sport of running, but I'm really inspired by people who fit it into their lives and do it on a recreational basis and make that part of who they are um, to stay healthy, to stay fit, and to continue doing it for a long time. I, I don't know if I feel that it's something that is a privilege to be able to run, but I think that, you know, it's something that I don't want to lose that ability to be able to run. It makes me feel sad to think that there's, I know women my age who say they don't run and they probably never run again in their life. Um, And that is uncomfortable for me. Um, So I don't need to be winning the race, but I would like to be able to run as something that my body can still do. And I don't want to lose that for as long as possible. I would say that running is a privilege. I think you hit the nail right on the head there, at least in my opinion. In fact, I had a bit of a runner's rant on this the day before yesterday. That um, there, there, It is. like There are people that can't run. There are people that can't afford to, to enter races or travel to races or even buy new shoes as often as they'd like. You know, even having friends that are willing to run with you is a privilege. We've learned that in the pandemic. We haven't always had that available to us, right? And so it's a gift. Yeah, it's a real gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's next for you, Anna? Anything, any races that you're gearing up for or anything you have your, your sights set on that you want to share with us? Yeah, sure. So I, so I said that last year I really wanted to be able to, to run a strong and a decent 5K. And then this year in 2022, I want to make that a 10K. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm working on that. I've got a race actually lined up in the next week. Um, so I'm running it just to just to run it for completion, get from the beginning to the end and test it out on that 10K distance. Um, so that's coming up here right away. And then I've signed up for the Millerville Run to the Market, which is in June. Um, that's an eight mile race. And it's a very, it's southwest of Calgary. What a great distance. Yeah. Eight miles. That's an unusual distance, but it is a good distance. I think so too. So I ran that race. I, they have a half marathon and I split it. You can run it as a relay, um, which I didn't love because you don't get to, you just stop at the edge of the trail and tag your partner and then your race is over. So it, it felt very anticlimactic to run that one. Um, and in that you split it nine and 12, I guess it is that, that relay. So anyway, the, the 12, 12 kilometer, which is eight miles. That's the one I'm going to run. And you actually run into, it's the opening day of the Millerville Farmer's Market. So it's, oh, a, it's a really community oriented race and party atmosphere, I guess, that you come in and then the market's open and that's the beginning day. So it's, it's a really fun one to, to do. And there's lots of people from the area 
that I don't even actually know are runners that I've seen mm. show up at that race. So I'm looking forward to it for that reason. Have to go check um, it out. Yeah, one. it's a good, it's a good one. Um, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You run from Turner Valley to Black Diamond, and you see the mountains. Mm. It's quite nice, but it's nice. on the road. <laughs> so there's that. And then um, in the fall, I'm hoping to do another 10k and actually kind of set a set a goal for myself and see what I can do um, in terms of a race. Right? Yeah. No, I I love it because you what you do is you do the race to complete first, and then you start you know having expectations on yourself, right? Or, or not. But I, I love that you've, you know, I'm going to do this 10K to finish the 10K. And then the next time, maybe I'll try to go faster. I think sometimes we can set ourselves up for failure when we go in with too many expectations the first time, because I know you've run 10K, but it still is a new experience to race, like to be in a 10K race, correct? Yeah, exactly. And it's, and, and races still feel like unfamiliar territory a little bit. They are, mm-hmm. they're, they feel new again, even for, because we all now have social anxiety about <laughs> going out and doing things. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's a good amount and you never know, I might get convinced to, to run a 5k here and there. Um, I can always be convinced for some kind of cause to participate. Mm-hmm. So, but we will not be catching you in the race t-shirt. <laughs> Nope, that's right. Not not until after, especially if it's cotton. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was like light gray cotton, and I'm thinking, oh, sweat. <laughs> no. Oh well. Oh, oh, this has been an awesome, mm-hmm. awesome conversation. You listen to Inspired Souls podcast. Uh, at least I know you have a few times, so you know that we do our five rapid fire questions at the end before we wrap things up. Are you ready for your rapid fire questions? I'm ready. Okay. So the first one, as I'm sure you know, is what is your favorite mantra, running mantra? So I'm going to guarantee this one is you've never heard this. Um, Bring it on. <laughs> It's Leva Prava, which I'll tell you the backstory. It means left, right in Polish. <laughs> and yeah. So this comes from my grandfather on my dad's side um, is Ukrainian and um, fought in the Polish army during World War II. And this is a little bit awkward, actually, given the timing of this podcast recording. But anyway, we'll carry on. So he, I know I don't remember him saying it that much, but I always remember my dad whenever we were playing sports and we would have to dig in and, you know, try harder. He's trying to tell us to hustle. Leave a prava, leave a prava. So that sticks in my head. Right. It's just left, right. And I sing that in my head to myself as ah. I'm just putting one, you're just putting one foot in front of the other. Um, exactly. And yeah. it comes into my head all the time. <laughs> so that's, that's the one I say to myself. It. It almost like brings back the simplicity of it, right? It's just like, it's just putting one foot in front of the other. Like, don't overthink it. Don't make it too complicated, right? (laughs) I like it. That's got to be one of the most meaningful mantras Mm -hmm. that somebody has mentioned on the show. For sure. Thanks for sharing. Okay. Do you have a favorite place to run? Outside. Anywhere outside. So again, that feeling of, you know, the freedom chasing that I do, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter where I am, but I do not want to be inside in a gym on a treadmill. I want to be experiencing what's around me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're in good company with us. I think we both agree yeah. with you there. Yeah. Um, okay. So I know that 
you've, you've clearly stated that racing is not necessarily why you run, but do you have a bucket list race? Is the Millerville race your bucket list race or do you have something else on your radar? Oh, I have a few more, but they also show my personality that it's not about the race. It's about the community environment. So the two that come to mind, um, one is I discovered the Sewers River Race, which is in Weyburn, Saskatchewan. My company works in Weyburn, so we have operations there. And I discovered this race and I thought, wouldn't it be fun to go to Weyburn and do a race? It's just their local community race. Um, So we'll see if it happens. I I don't think it's actually scheduled for this year, so I don't know if it's going to be a go. Anyway, so that's one. And then the other place I would like to run is, um, I'll surprise Carolyn, but Winnipeg. I have family that's in Winnipeg that I haven't seen for a long time. So I thought, oh, that'd be fun to go to Winnipeg and run a race. It's a good excuse to make a trip and see them. And you never know, I might be able to meet Carolyn because we, in fact, have never met in real life. We've only talked to each other virtually. So maybe if I showed up in Winnipeg, she'd come down to the race. She might even be there. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. You must let me know if you come to Winnipeg to run a race. I love that. Okay. Do you have a favorite running book or movie? I think I thought about this. I don't have, I don't have a favorite running movie, um, but my favorite running book is probably, we have a dog-eared copy of John Stanton's book on running in our house. And what I love about John Stanton and the whole running room method is the accessibility that they make for running for the ordinary person who is just doing it for, you can always find a program in there that that suits what Mm -hmm. you're trying to do. Um, And it's, you know, runners are all shapes and sizes and speeds. So I love that about his book. And it's definitely a used reference that we have here around the house. Okay. Now, the most important question, drum roll, please, is what is your favorite post-run indulgence? Super easy question. It's a coffee in the hot tub. Ooh. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I could have could have definitely actually I did do that one today. <laughs> we're not in Winnipeg right now, so we're staying somewhere with a hot tub and it sure is nice to sit in there after after a cold run especially. Yeah. That is been, so we we got our we got a hot tub at our house uh when was that? I guess it's a year and a half ago, right before everything shut down and man I thought it was such an indulgence and it was so smart <laughs> during yeah. this time to have that because it feels home feels very vacationy for that reason. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was yeah. a, a, a smart move that I would never have bought, but I had someone else convince me that it was a good idea. Yeah. Which is <laughs> sometimes really we need idea. those people. <laughs> yeah, I <Don't> do. <laughs> yeah. Well, Anna, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on tonight to share your story. I, hundred percent know that it's going to resonate with people. You are, you know, thank you for being a dream client for starters, but I have been inspired by you for your determination, your persistence, the fact that you truly know yourself so well, and you know what you want to get out of running and, and you can be an advocate for yourself in that way. So because of that, uh, truly you have been one of my favorite people to coach. So thank you for giving me the honor of being your coach for the last 10 months or so. And it's just been a thrill to see you progress the way that you have. It's nice. Thank you very much. <laughs>